radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hey there, I'm Don McDonald. Welcome to the Talking Real Money podcast. It's the uh, Friday edition, which means Tom's not here today. It's just me. And so for the bulk of the podcast, I'm going to go through a bunch of your questions that were sent in at TalkingRealMoney.com through the microphone button there. And they usually sound pretty good. I had to tweak a little bit, but not bad. But before we do that, I want to start with one of my both favorite and least favorite topics. I I sort of have a love-hate relationship with the topic. I have a hate relationship with the actual product itself. And what do you think we're talking about? Hmm? Yeah, cryptocurrencies. There are a lot of things wrong with cryptocurrencies, but when was the last time you probably, you're a smart person, you watch or listen to the news or read the news. When was the last time you heard of a $600 million robbery? Bank? No, I can't remember one. I do remember a $300 million jewel heist, and there was a 300 million yen but that's not, yen aren't worth 300 million. 300 million yen are a far cry from 300 million dollars. But recently, there was a 600 million dollar theft of Tether, which is the cryptocurrency that is tied to the dollar. It's supposed to always have a dollar value, although there's some question as to whether it will or not, because there are risks associated with the securities they're putting the money into to give you that dollar thing, and they're not regulated like money market funds. But even that is not the issue. It's not the issue. Even the theft is not really the issue. But how secure is your money if somebody can hack a computer and take it all out? Now, half of it's been returned. Well, they say technically almost all of it's been returned by the hacker, but $270 million of it is still under the control of the hacker. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. But no, what this got me to thinking about is that the first thing that sprang to mind when I read about this was, well, this is the wild, wild west. It really is. It's the wild west of money. It's a lawless land where you don't know what you have. And it's a boom or bust kind of thing, too, like the Wild West, where you made your fortune in the mines, or you made your fortune selling stuff to the people in the mines, or you made your fortune uh, providing gambling or liquor or whatever it was you were providing to them. But more people than not lost everything. Many succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. But the bulk, as is usual, didn't do so well. And what else was common during that period in our history? A proliferation of currencies. From the beginning of the United States, there were all kinds of currencies issued. Banks would issue currencies. Communities would issue currencies. People would issue currencies. And some currencies were good and some were awful. And currency prices rose and fell relative to one another, sometimes violently. The prices fluctuated wildly. And from one moment to the next, you didn't know what your local currency would buy in dollar terms. Does that sound familiar at all? 
eventually, all of those weird forms of species, of species, vanished because they didn't work as a currency. Cryptocurrencies are an oxymoron. They're not currencies. Okay, well, they're contradiction. They're crypto, but they're not currency. What are they? Speculative vehicles created out of pretty much whole cloth. Now, I know, once again, I'm going to catch flack from the youngsters in the crowd. Yeah, you little whippersnappers. Because I'm out of touch. Well, you know what? I probably know a bit more about crypto than most of you know, unless you're one of the developers of it. And even then, I think you only understand the blockchain. I don't think you understand the realities of the situation. And I honestly don't believe you know or have a clue what cryptos are really good for. Like the song, in my opinion, it's pretty close to absolutely nothing. And I'll say it again. Cryptos, they're, they're great if, you, if you're a criminal. They're wonderful. They're good for some speculators, the ones who make money. They're bad for those who lose. And when it comes to speculation, more lose than win. So, again, I want to dissuade you. And you're, you're going to read, oh, these mainstream banks are getting into crypto. Yeah, they're dabbling in it. They're dipping their toe into it. But uh, they can afford to lose a fortune. Can you? You know, billionaires are getting into crypto. Yeah, they can afford to lose a fortune. Can you? <laughs> Be careful out there, please. Hey, if you want to call questions in or, hey, you want to take me to task on this with some facts, please. I'm not just encouraging it. I'm begging you to. Please, if you have some facts. <coughs> mm. about what makes cryptocurrencies good for something. I've been asking for a long time. Please call and tell me what it is specifically. I'll give you as much time as you need to explain it. Call 855-935-TALK or go to TalkingRealMoney.com. Send us a note or speak your your issues or questions but you can call about almost anything and also at talkingrealmoney.com you can record your question just like this one hi can you tell me what happens in the event of death or disability of the owner of a 529 account and how to mitigate that eventuality thank you that's an excellent question i don't think we've ever covered it the answer is, like so many, it depends. You can, on a 529 plan in some states, name a contingent owner. So if something happens to you, the new owner is in control of the account. Otherwise, you are supposed to name a beneficiary. And that beneficiary then becomes the, the person who manages those, those funds and determines what's done with them. So the answer is you have to name someone, and it can vary how it's done. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Again, these were all sent in via TalkingRealMoney.com, but you can call us at 855-935-TALK and accomplish 
pretty much the same thing. Hey, Tom and Don, this is Elliot. I'm over here in Denver, Colorado. I recently uh, was listening to you guys. I've been listening for over a few months now, uh, thanks to the uh, Stacking Benjamin podcast. They said, give you guys a listen, and I've definitely become a regular fan. And I took your risk quiz. I am sitting here at 82 out of 100 for risk tolerance. And the question I have is, you said in a recent podcast that you recommend being in emerging markets. And this uh, risk quiz said I should be in VT Wax, uh, which is a uh, total, st- total stock world index. And I have 100% of my investments in VT Sachs or VTSAX, uh, thanks to JL Collins, who when I was 36, switched a, the lever in my head and all of a sudden I started actually caring about money. And I've been in VT Sachs 100% for a couple of years now. And I've seen that investment go from about 30000 up to about 325000 And I'm wondering, should I be in VMAX? Uh, VMAX is a emerging market stock index. Uh, Admiral Fund looks like their one year uh, is 19.98%. And their, since inception, their average is 6.21% versus VT Sachs. Ten-year average is about 15%. So... I don't know if I should have bonds. I am 40 now, and I have a high risk tolerance. And just wondering if you recommend uh, allocating part of that portfolio, or should I be thinking about doing some some VMAX as far as future contributions? And just wondering what that uh, that should look like if I'm doing this right. And would love to get your feedback. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks for coming over from Stacking. We love Stacking. I, I love the guys and gals at Stacking. Um, you're uh, you're a high risk taker. And you've been taking some risk with uh, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index. Bear in mind, though, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index, the VTSAX, is an an entirely U.S. portfolio. And you've been lucky because in the period you've owned it, U.S. stocks have been beating everything out there. But that's not always the case. And it hasn't always been the case historically. As a matter of fact, U.S. stocks did poorly from 2000 to 2010, while international stocks did far, far better. So all of these, and and then we'll get into emerging markets in a minute, all of these asset classes have their day in the sun. And what we would like to see investors eventually do when you can afford to do it, and initially it's really difficult to balance and rebalance a portfolio that has all of the various disparate pieces that we'd like to see in it. But if you really were to take this to its ultimate end, what we would ask is that you had something like VT, Vanguard Total World Stock Index, probably the ETF now, only because it's a little cheaper and the tax situation's better. Uh, But you would add to that if you're at Vanguard, Van, add, add in the Vanguard small cap value, add add in the Vanguard uh, emerging markets, probably add a little bit in the Vanguard real estate trust fund. And then when you get older and your risk tolerance goes down a little bit, then you start adding bonds in too. But initially, if you just went with VT or VT Wax, I think you'd be far better diversified. You're going to be in a 
much more comfortable situation when the U.S. market inevitably declines. They don't always move in lockstep, U.S. and foreign markets. Certainly, you could throw in some emerging markets right now and a little bit of small cap value. I think that would be to your advantage longer term. So um, you're on a great track, right? Just keep doing what you're doing. All right, we've got another question that was sent in via TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. Here we go. Hi, Tom and Don. Uh, Thank you for everything you do. I really appreciate all your help and wisdom. Um, I had a quick question about the tax efficiency of the ETF. In one of the recent episodes, you had mentioned that you're not taxed on the growth in ETF, even though you don't sell the ETF. Now, my question is, are, do you, are you taxed uh, on the growth of the mutual funds, index mutual funds, even if you don't sell them? Uh, I have all my uh, brokerage account in Vanguard. I invest in total stock market index, total international stock market index, um, small cap value, as well as international small cap based on Paul Merriman's uh, investment philosophy. I wanted to know um, if I need to or I should change my mutual funds to ETFs, equivalent ETFs, um, uh, and is it even possible at Vanguard without realizing any capital gains? I would um, like to know your thoughts about the same. Um, thank you again for everything you guys do. The difference between an ETF – well, let me step back. The difference between an index ETF and an index fund from a tax standpoint is going to be small. It's not going to be particularly impressive. It's not going to be a big savings between one or the other because index funds tend not to turn over their portfolio very often. However, when they do sell a security and realize a capital gain in a mutual fund, that capital gain gets passed on to shareholders as a taxable event on a 1099. Whereas in an ETF, because of the way they're structured, there is no buy or sell going on. It's just a swapping of securities, and it's not considered a taxable event. So you would only pay taxes on a, a, the growth of an ETF when you sell it, a capital gain. You would, however, in both cases, pay taxes on any dividends, dividend income that is distributed. And Vanguard is one of the companies that allows you to swap your Vanguard Mutual. If they have a, uh, the, the same ETF, they will allow you to do a tax-free swap into that comparable ETF. So if you want to move to ETFs, you're gonna, there's going to be a little advantage to you long term. I think it might not be a bad idea. I'm becoming we've become more and more and more and more comfortable with ETFs as they have really improved a lot of the technology and the systems. So I think you're good to make the change. And thank you for your question. Once again, call 855-935-TALK if you have a question. If you have a really complex one and you want one of our advisors to spend some time with you working on the problem we have offered and will continue to for as long as we're able free time with one of our advisors to help you figure out what you own <laughs> and by the way you're going to be really surprised i bet you don't really know what you own how your diver what your diversification is like and how much you've paid 
for the products you have in your portfolio? Bet you don't know. Is it properly balanced? Bet you don't know. Set up an appointment with one of our advisors at veststory.com and we will help you for a little bit for free without any obligation, without any high-pressure sales pitch. Promise. If you want to become a client, that would be great. We'd love that. And and you'll find that if you become a client, your odds of success probably improve a little bit. At least that's what all of the research has shown. Having an advisor can help you stop doing dumb things and help you build the diversification you need. So you might as well get a good one. And we keep an eye on ours really closely. They better be good. 855-935-TALK or go to TalkingRealMoney.com to send your questions in. And here's another one. Good afternoon, gentlemen. My name's Curtis, and I live in the wonderful state of Washington. I uh, just want to thank you guys for going over all the topics that you do about investing for long term and also the seminars that you guys have been holding. Really appreciate it. So um, what we've got going on here in the state of Washington, the beginning of the 1st of January 2022, is something called Washington Cares Fund Act. And it's something that's going to be forced upon us who are working, and there's going to be money taken out every paycheck for this long-term care insurance program that Inslee and Olympia is pushing on us. It might be a good idea for some, but I am 59 years old. I really don't get the feeling that this is going to be worth my while, or am I going to see any benefits from this? So my question is, if you guys could talk about point two and suggest maybe a private insurance company for long-term care, it is an important topic. And I think the younger you are, the better off you are getting it now. So maybe um, we can get some good advice on this and uh, try to avoid the mandatory income tax which is being disguised as a Washington Cares Fund for Long-Term Insurance. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the time. There is a lot of political angst about Washington Cares because, yeah, it is. It's a backdoor tax. It's a, but it is, it's a tax for a specific purpose. It's kind of like in your property taxes. You have a section of them that is the school levy and that just goes to schools. Well, this is designed to, and who, yeah, who knows? They can change things. I'm not going to get into a political argument over this. They, they can change things in the future maybe, but I don't know how it's structured. But, but at its current price of $0.58 cents per $100 or 0.58%, this is a real bargain. I'm telling you, this is a real bargain. I've shopped for long-term care insurance personally. I've read, I read about it all the time. I check prices. A lot of companies have dropped completely out of the business. They've raised premiums through the roof. And I just recently looked at a sample premium. Now, bear in mind, the Washington CARES policy, from my understanding of it, will pay out a maximum benefit of $36,000 over your life if you need long-term care. That's not going to go very far anywhere. In Washington State, a year of care is probably about hundred grand at a good facility. So it'll cover three, four months maybe. However, a similar 
policy with a private company, and I looked at New York Life, which is one of the bigger ones. A similar policy at age 55, so at age 59, it's going to be more expensive. But at age 55, a $50,000 lifetime benefit policy runs uh, right about $300 a year. So you could get that. It would pay less per day because it would last. You get a, a, a smattering of what you get per day, but the maximum lifetime benefits bigger. I think the Washington Cares is a hundred a day up until that three hundred or thirty six thousand five hundred. So it's one year. The fifty thousand at New York Life, I think, lasts two years. They pay less per day. So it's pretty much apples to apples. And if you make $100,000 a year in Washington, your premium per year will be $58. $58. So you can do the math. If you make $200, it's $120. This is actually a really good deal for an extra little long-term care policy. Um, So you can go out shopping. Uh, AARP has, uh, I think they use New York Life. There are a number of websites where you can shop for it, but there just aren't a lot of people playing in the space. And when you are approaching 60 years old, the prices get really high. Trust me, as one who is now in his 60s, they're not cheap. I opted not to get one. I'd be thrilled if Florida had a program like this, but they don't. So if my wife or I have to go into a facility, that money is going to come out of our savings. Or in essence, going to be self-insured. And that's what probably most of the people in America are going to be. Because this is really a mess. Long-term care in America is a mess. Do you know what you have to spend down to of your spend your assets down to to get Medicaid? It's like a couple of thousand bucks. You have to be totally and utterly impoverished to get care from the government. So this thirty six thousand for a lot of people could be a lifesaver. I don't think it's such a horrible thing, and it's certainly cheap right now. They're not going to have the kind of overhead, I guess, that the private companies would have either. So those are your choices. You got to get private care. You're going to pay through the nose for it. I can guarantee you will guarantee it. And then let's take one last question. Oh, comment in this case. Hello, Don and Tom. I was listening to your podcast and I heard that you were contemplating the T-Mobile internet connection. That's what I have. It seems to work fine. You might want to have Tom Cock look into it because I think it's going to be a great advantage to him if his internet connection is as poor as you'd say. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. I'm trying to get it for him because he won't get it on his own. He's not very good at this tech stuff. and So, <laughs> in essence, I do all of this shopping for him. And I've looked into I've looked into everything for poor Tom. Tom has, by the way, in case you're if you, if you haven't listened to the Saturday show, you're not going to know what we're talking about. But Tom and I connect over the internet on Saturdays to do our show live. 
Now, the podcasts we do, we can connect over the internet, but record the audio on our separate computers so the quality is much better. But when Tom and I connect over the internet, he has a, a Comcast cable system in his neighborhood where his download speeds run about 10 to 15 megabits per second. It's pathetic. And we've called everybody. CenturyLink, they don't serve the neighborhood. Um, Ziply, they're coming someday, they say. Uh, looked at Starlink, the uh, the Elon Musk thing. Totally booked up in the Pacific Northwest. Maybe in 22 we'll get you in, they said. And so I looked. I put in his address for the T-Mobile Internet. Now that T-Mobile is rolling out 5G all over the place, they've got the speeds, they've got the bandwidth to provide home Internet, which I think is awesome. It's a, a great form of competition. It's only 50 bucks a month. And I've used T-Mobile's 5G, and it's very fast. It's really good. I like it a lot. Um... The thing is, it's not available in his neighborhood. You see, Tom chose to move out to a area that many of you in the Sandal area will uh, know well, and it's uh, out in Snohomish County. It's really not Woodenville. It's more like Maltby. It's kind of farm country, although he does not live on a farm. He lives in one of the newer house, well, newer, many years now. But they just don't have good internet service out there. And it is sad. I mean, we're talking about the Seattle metro area. Isn't it a tech hub? I just think it's deplorable that one part of the Seattle metro area, and he's not that far out of town. He's up 522. You know, he's not that far out of town. And the internet service up there is this bad. It's just, you know we're getting to the point where internet is a is it's almost a requirement to to live in this world and it certainly is for us so that's why somebody sent the note and thank you for sharing that and i'll keep well, we, we sent t-mobile i don't know i said let me know when you have the service and by the way t-mobile is in the bellevue washington area that's their headquarters we mentioned it on the show and not a soul responded and said we'll get a tower up at tom's house tomorrow I didn't think they actually would. That's joking. All right. Uh, I think we're done. I think it's time for the weekend. And the weekend means we do our live show on Saturday from 3 to 5. You can listen to it online. If you, if you want to listen to it, go to TalkingRealMoney.com. We've got a link right there where you can listen live on Saturdays from 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific. And you can also call live during the show at the same number we use the rest of the time, which is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And I want to thank you for being a part of the show. And please, please, please spread the word because in this business, literally, the more the merrier. Talk to you again really soon. Have a great one. I'm Don McDonald. Hanging out, actually right now in Virginia, but going back to Florida soon, thinking about and talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. 
so, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.